something I love about relationships is that you learn new things about people over time, right? I know many of you are watching your, your first time freshman. You just moved to Nashville. You're excited to be on campus. And, and none of you, you know, none of you met someone a couple weeks ago and just thought that you should know everything about them the very first time you met them, right? Like, because we understand that, that the way relationships work is that you learn new things about people over time, right? This is part of the things that make relationships so fun is that, I mean, no matter how long you've been friends, I mean, you continue to learn new things. You know, I think about my daughter, my oldest daughter, Finley, and man, just I love her so much. And one of the things that she's into right now is she wants to learn all about me. And so she'll say, hey, Dad, tell me a story about you as a kid. And so I'll start to tell her story about growing up on the farm or playing some sport or whatever it is I was doing. And, and so often she'll say this. She's like, I've already heard that one. Tell me a different one, Dad. What's the story I haven't heard before? Because, you know, Finley understands that, that there's all this history, all this that she doesn't know. And it's this joy for her to, to get to know. And this is the way that relationships work, right? Sam Parnell, our executive pastor, and I this week got to go visit with this a really amazing couple over in East Nashville doing some, some really amazing ministry. And, and, and as we were talking to them on, on Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning, we were sitting in their living room and, and the, the lady starts to tear up because she starts to tell us about how her dad just passed away earlier this year. And, and she starts to tell us that, that even on his deathbed, she was learning new things about him. And so there's this phenomenon that, that happens in relationships literally to the day that you die, there, that you continue to learn about people and, and things and about their lives. And I was just thinking about how learning about someone is what you do in relationships. But what God began to stir in my heart this week, particularly as in terms of the book of James, is that, man, when we begin to take what we're learning and put it into action, that's where the building of real relationship comes. That's where the real blessing and relationship comes. So this is what I mean. I remember when I was a sophomore in college and I just started to develop an interest in Courtney, who's now my wife. And, and I remember um, discovering that she loved getting flowers in the mail. And so, you know, I worked as an RA on campus for three years and every spare cent that I had, you know, it, it went towards like sending her flowers because I knew that it made her happy. Or I think about the very first time that we went on a road trip together and I discovered that she loves fruit tea from Bread and Company. I personally think it tastes like pickle juice, so I try to stay away from it, but she, <laughs> she loves it. She loves Sour Patch Kids and, and these, these, these gummies. And, and so I remember the very first time we went on a road trip, I had those things waiting for her in my car. And, and I did this, why? Because I was listening to what she was saying because I wanted to put it into action. I wanted her to know that I cared, that I wanted to be in relationship with her. And as I was thinking about James chapter one, it's, it's almost like the Lord is sitting down with us and saying, hey, I wanna let you in on what's important to me. <laughs> these are the things that, that matter to me, that if you will do these things, if you will put these things into practice in my life, you will bring so much joy to my life, you'll actually build our relationship, you bring blessing into our relationship. And so this morning, we're gonna dive into James chapter one. You know, we've been walking through this letter. We started a series two weeks ago, just um, reading through this book that, that James wrote to us, the, the brother of Jesus. And so this morning, we're gonna pick right back up. And, and the way that I wanna walk through the text, you know, sometimes we kinda have points, you know, three or four points that we walk through. And this morning, I just wanna walk us through the text and, and for us to hear what it is that the Lord has to say to us this morning. So I invite you to tune in, to listen to what God has this morning. So this is James chapter one, starting in verse 19. This is what he writes in the middle of his letter, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, James is, is writing to Christians that have been scattered all over the world. And I was just thinking about from God's perspective, what it is that he sees, what it is that God is trying to accomplish through that 
through this particular teaching, that, that what God is after, that in every culture, in every city, that Christians, no matter where they found themselves, would be known as people that listen well. That Christians are people who are calculated and thoughtful in their words, that Christians are quick-tempered, and I can just imagine, or not quick-tempered, and I can just imagine that from God's perspective, what he desires is for his people to look different in the everyday things that we do, like talking and listening. I wanna dive into these real, um, uh, rather deep this morning as we just kinda talk about what this looks like. And so, be quick to listen is what James says. He says, every one of you, not just some of you, every one of you, be quick to listen. You know, it, it means so much when people listen to you, doesn't it? In fact, have you ever uh, had someone say to you, man, you are, you're a good listener, right? Because there's something that, that listening does. It conveys. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but listening conveys something, and this is what it conveys. It conveys to someone that you matter, that what you have to say is important, that, that you're important, that I'm choosing to shut my mouth and create space in my head to listen to the things that you're saying. And the Lord was just reminding me that, that listening is actually living out the great commandment of loving people. You ever thought about listening like that? You know, earlier this year, after George Floyd had been murdered, our friends from the cookery um, invited us over to do this panel discussion. And so um, there was this African-American pastor from a church in Nashville. There was Joey Maldonado, who is um, one of our church planners that we partner with at Ethos. He's from Puerto Rico. And then myself. And, and, we, and we sat on this panel and we just kind of shared and, and we were answering questions. And, and Joey, um, at the end of the panel, I remember him saying something that just has stood with me for, for months now. He said, man, I feel like for the first time, people want to hear what I have to say. As a man that, uh, as a person of color, he's like, you don't know what it's like for people to, to come to you and just want to listen and to hear what you have to say. And I go, wow. Guys, you might not realize the impact that, that listening has. Man, have, have, have you had a posture of listening? Is, is that what someone would say about you? Do, do you listen to your spouse? Do you listen to your roommate? Man, do you, do you listen to, to your kids? Do you listen to your friends? Do you listen or are you more concerned with talking? One of the things that the Lord's convicted me in this season is, man, am, am I listening to people of color? And the things that are, are making the headlines and things that are saying, I'm going, man, am I creating space to actually listen to people who are, are crying out and saying things? Man, do we listen or do we know everything? Or, or do we pretend like that, that we've got it all figured out and that we have more important things to say than, than other people do? And I go, what James is doing is his, he's elevating, listening. He's putting priority on it. He says, be quick to do this. He's inviting us to be learners of people. And I'm convinced that one of the ways that God intends to draw people to himself is through our listening. I'm convinced that one of the ways that makes us distinct and stand out from the rest of the world, especially those who don't know Jesus, is the way that we listen. James says, be quick to listen. He says, be slow to speak. You know, we're gonna spend some time diving into this, the power of our words, when we get to James chapter three, and it's gonna be amazing. Um, and so I don't wanna go too deep into this right now, but, but I wanna emphasize that, that James, what he doesn't say, he doesn't say, hey, be quick to listen and then never speak, right? What does he say? He says, be slow to speak. You know, I like to build things, particularly things out of wood. Didn't say I was good at it, but I enjoy it. And, 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 and what I've discovered is that I do my best work, do you know when? When I do it slow. When I'm, when I'm more worried about doing it right 
and being thoughtful and being careful and measuring twice, right? And 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 my, I do my best work when I'm going slow. You know, I do my sloppiest work. You know, when I'm most frustrated, it's it's when I'm rushing through it. When when I go, I just got to get this done and get onto something else. And and there's something about the the posture of slowness that teaches us to to listen, to concentrate. I go, how how often? You know, he says, be slow to speak. How often are we quick to speak? Man, do we say something that we don't mean? Do we say something that we haven't thought through and that deeply hurts other people? Right, words have this way of just sticking with us. I bet if I ask you right now, hey, throw up a quote that, that, that someone has said to you uh, over your life that has hurt, to, that has hurt you. Throw up, just, just throw up something in the live chat that, that someone has said to you over years. I wonder how many of those like we would just read right now because it's so, it's so soft. It's like right on the surface of our hearts. That when people say things to us, man, those, those words stick with us. And, and, and James is reminding us, hey, your words have so much power in them. He says, so be quick to listen. He's be, be slow to speak. He says, slow to become angry because human anger doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires. You know, I believe that, that anger and, and words are so intricately connected. Think about what makes you angry in life. And does it make it angry when, when, when someone says something that hurts your feelings? Does it make you angry when someone does something or says something that you don't agree with? Does it make you angry when someone doesn't do what you asked them to do? And what happens in our anger, right? We're, we're more developed than kids. Like when kids get angry, they take it out physical, right? They pull hair, they throw something, they punch. Like what, what are we doing? Some, some still do that, right? But, but as you grow up, you realize, man, you, you use your words to lash out. And we do this, we get angry and we say things and we hurt people. I wanna be clear on what James is saying here. He doesn't say, hey, you need to remove anger from your life, okay? He doesn't say, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and, and never be angry, right? He doesn't say that. In fact, there's a, there's a time and a place for anger. Um, you see this in the life of Jesus. You see this in John chapter two, where Jesus shows up at the temple, and he makes this, this cord out of whips, and, and he turns the tables over, right? This is what we should have done for a craft today for our kids today, like everyone develop a whip, right? And, and, and this, is what, this is what Jesus does. This, you see this in the scriptures, he's angry. He's frustrated that, that people are doing things to keep people from being able to come into his presence, and so he expresses it. And so you see in the life of Jesus, who lived perfectly, that, that there's a time and there's a place for anger, but I think that's different than what James is getting at here. He's talking about an anger where, man, when, when we're called out for doing something that we've done and we just don't like it, or when our pride gets stepped on, Man, that he's inviting us not be people that respond in anger. James says that way of living, that way of reacting, it, it doesn't please the Lord. You know, earlier this week on Wednesday, my wife and I and our kids, we were going on a walk around the neighborhood, and so Finley and Jones, my oldest daughter and my son, are riding their bikes up ahead of us, and I'm pushing the stroller with Merritt in it and, and our youngest daughter, and, and, and Courtney just looks at me. You know, we're having a great little walk up into this point, and, uh, and she says to me, you know, um, I disagree with something you've been saying. And I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Like, you know, I thought we were having a nice, pleasant walk here. And, and she said it really humble and, and really kind. Um, but, but she says, I, I disagree with something that you've been saying lately. And I don't know if you've ever had someone say something like that to you, right? Where um, they, they, they confront you. 
And before she even said a word, before she finished her sentence, I was already defensive. And there was this like deflection in me. There was this voice in my head like, all right, Brandon, well, think about something that she's done that you disagree with so that when she says it, you can fire back. And, and I know you've never been there, but this is what's going on in my head. And, and so she says this simple thing. Hey, I want to talk about something that I disagree with. And before she says anything, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And I feel the Lord just going, hey, listen to her. And yet how often we ignore that voice. Man, we, we won't allow any hard words to come into our life. We won't receive anything. Our response is to deflect and to be angry. And I love what James says. He says, my brothers and my sisters, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You know, the digital age that we live in, it is so easy to sit behind a screen and to read what someone shares and to not even think about how you're being perceived, but just to react. I go, think about it. Are are you a person that is quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Man, or do you see someone post something and instantly, you don't even think twice, you just post out of anger. Proverbs chapter 21, verse two, this is what Solomon writes. He says, a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. And I wanna really encourage us, man, to be thoughtful, to pay attention to this passage of scripture. He goes on to write in verse 21, he says, and get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. You know, as a pastor, I get to walk with people. I've been walking with people for a long time. And, and something that I always love, and a clear indicator to me that God is working in someone's life. You know what it is? When someone comes to me and confesses sin, when they, when they bring their sin into the light, where, where they don't ignore their sin and they don't indulge in their sin, but they bring it into the light and they say, I, I'm living in this and I can't stand it. It's eating away at my soul. And so earlier this week, I get this email from this person I don't even know. They just reach out and they say, hey, I'm going through some things and I need help. I need to bring this sin into the light. And, and I'm going, man, how amazing is that? Living into this exact passage getting rid of the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. You know, the evil of this world, it gets on us, it gets in us, it finds us. Sometimes we find it, we go looking for it, and James just says, hey, as your brother, get rid of it. Have a posture of confessing and turning and laying it down. It says be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to turn to anger, and and turn from your sin. It keeps going in verse 21. He says, and humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can save you. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently to the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed and what they do. And I go, just think about how simple it is what the Lord is inviting us into. Like, this is what it looks like to be in relationship with God. We do what he says. Think about all your relationships and all your friendships, like the mind games that you have to play and all the emotional stuff that you have to work through to figure out, hey, are we good? Are we still on the same page? Are we okay, right? And the Lord just says, you wanna be okay with me? Just put my words into practice. It's so simple. And yet, why is it so hard for us to do that? I go, man, if I went around and asked every, uh, every one of you to follow Jesus, I go, man, do you consistently do this? Why? Why is it so hard? And there's so many reasons, I believe, but the Lord was really kind of highlighting two this week. And he was really highlighting the, the work of, of Satan himself in our lives. 
the enemy of God. And, and two things that I believe that the enemy tries to, to do, the reason that it's so complicated, so hard just to, to live in a relationship with the Lord, just to, to make a pattern of, of living and doing what God asks us to do. And two things that I think the enemy does. The first is that he tries to get us to shortchange God. You know, we live in this quasi-Christian culture, uh, like Nashville, and it's even more dangerous and even a higher temptation for us to, to do this, that, that he will convince us that if we'll just read the Bible, Man, if, if, if we will just have the knowledge, if we'll just know the stories, if we can just hold our own in spiritual conversations, if we will spend our energy keeping up the external facade that we are good, then we don't really have to obey it. You see, I believe that the enemy, man, he tries to get us to spend all of our energy to put on a show for other people to try to convince them that we're actually doing this. And it's the work of the enemy. It's deceit. I go, part of the reason we struggle to do this is because the enemy has, is shortchanging God and we're buying the lie. The second thing I think the enemy does is that, that he really likes to make us skeptical of the scriptures. Man, this is so rampant in our culture as well. Or we will pick this thing apart and we'll look for holes and we'll look for inconsistencies. We'll do everything we can to not have to align our lives up under it. Earlier this week, I was praying in the morning and, and uh, man, I... Little side note, I just so encourage you to, to, to sign up for a freedom prayer. That, man, that there is something about my freedom prayer times, like when I receive prayer, that has just changed the way that I talk and see and pray and interact with God. And I invite you to step into this. But earlier this week, I was, I was praying, and because of freedom prayer, really, I was like understanding how to step more fully into prayer. And God was showing me some things. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, Brandon, I want you to receive and to trust every word that I've said to you. I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? And he begins to show me some, some places in Scripture where I've just kind of dismissed them. I've become skeptical. You know, there's a passage in, in Matthew chapter 24 where Jesus, at the end, he says, all these things, uh, th this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And I have read that passage in my life, and, and, and I've always just kind of read it like, oh, well, Jesus, you know, he kind of missed that one. And this week, the Lord has reminded me, no, Brandon, that text is not something that happened. That is a text of something that will happen. And, and if there's ever a doubt in your life about you being skeptical when it comes to Jesus, <laughs> you need to check yourself and not just relegate him as someone who's missed it. And the Lord was reminding me of the work in the enemy. You know, we would never willingly follow someone that is inconsistent, that is deceitful. Why? Because we're smart, right? Because we realize that you can't trust them. You see, when we are skeptical of the scriptures, of course we're not gonna lean all the way in. We're not gonna align our lives under it. The scriptures are the story of God. It's filled with prophecies, some that were precisely and accurately fulfilled, and some with prophecies that one day will precisely and accurately be filled. This is a story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his promise to return. This is a story of God. This has every answer to the questions of your deepest longings of your heart shows you how to live in a relationship with the Lord. It teaches you how to live with a God that you cannot see. This scripture is living and active and beautiful, and of course the enemy's gonna do everything he can to make us skeptical, to make us shortchange it. You know, he's putting all the pressure. I remember when I was in middle school playing basketball, 
And there was this one kid, he was kind of, he was literally the best player in the region. And so we would literally alter our whole strategy around this one guy. And so um, when, when he would come to our, when we would play against him, you know, we used to play man-to-man defense, which is, means you'd guard your person. And, and, but when he would come to town, we would, we, would set, we would play zone defense. We'd play this defense called a box and one. Where, where four people on our team would play defense against everyone, and then we'd put one person on him the whole time. Like, he had someone on him no matter what he was doing. And, and I was just thinking about the way that, that the enemy works, that, that he comes after us in our strongest places. That in the scripture, the place that we can rely, the place that we lean into, and he does everything he can to make a short change and to be skeptical of the scriptures. And I love what, what James just says because he just clears through all this. And as our brother, and this is what he says in verse 25. He says, but whoever looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, the one who looks, who continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. You see what he's saying? It's so simple, man, that we make a a pattern of our lives of looking and continuing and not forgetting and putting into practice. You know, my wife and I were, were trying to teach our kids to memorize scripture. And so the, the very first verse that I'm trying to teach them is, is this passage. And Jones, I hope that you sing along right now as I, as I say this. It says, this is the day, what is it, Jones? You know it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I don't want my kids to just know that verse. I want them to do it. I want them to wake up every morning and go, you know what? Today is the day that God's made. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna be glad in it. As their parents, Court and I don't want them just to have a bunch of knowledge. We want them to live out the things that are in Scripture. And I love what, what James reminds us. He says, for a person who does this, who continues in the Scripture, not forgetting it but doing, he says, that person will be blessed. And in the Greek, this, um, this is a, a future promise. Of course, you receive blessing right now, getting to walk with the Lord, being in relationship with the Lord, but the blessing he's talking about is a future blessing. It's the blessing that will come when Jesus returns and you meet him in person, face to face, and he looks you in the eye and he sees someone that prioritized him in his word over what culture said, over what your unbelieving friends and maybe your family said. He looks at, at you and sees someone who persevered and who practices no matter how hard, no matter the skepticism, no matter what came at you. You looked at Jesus and you said, Jesus, whatever you say, I'm gonna do it. And there will be a day where you'll stand in front of Christ. And he's gonna look you in the eye. And he's gonna see someone who took him at his word, who elevated his word higher than anyone else, any other voice. And I'm telling you, that day will be a day of rejoicing for you. You know, there are moments when in our house, you know, our kids, it, the expectation in our house is that you obey, right? The expectation isn't disobedience, it's obedience. But, but there are some times where our kids do things and man, it just brings so much joy to my heart and be like, hey kids, we got people coming over tonight. We need you to go downstairs to the basement and clean up all the toys and make sure it's clean. And, and there'll be times where we go down there and it's just spotless, right? And, and, and it's like just this rejoicing in my heart. Like, guys, I'm so thankful. In fact, I'm going to take you to get ice cream because you did such a good job because you, you did what I asked you to do. And there will be a moment where God looks at us and he sees his kids who continue to lean in, who continue to take him in his word, who continue to value his word more than anyone else. And you will be blessed. You'll get the blessing of looking at your creator and knowing that you walked with him that you really did love him. And you know that because you put his words into practice. He says the one who looks, continues, doesn't forget, but does it. I go, man, this is a posture of someone who reads and studies the word. I go, are you reading the scriptures? 
And if not, start reading the scriptures. Do you think about the scripture? You know, I encourage you. I was over at one of my friend's houses the other day and, and they had taken a marker and they had written scripture on their mirror in the bathroom. You know, while you're brushing your teeth, while you're putting on your makeup in the morning, while you're doing your hair, man, let the word of God be in front of you. Think about it. Speak it when you're when you're driving to work, when you're when in between, you know, walking from, from your bedroom to the kitchen table, if that's your work right now. Quote scripture, say it, and then make a habit of doing it. Let's not be people that, that know the word, but don't live it out. May we be known as people who live into the words of God. But why? Man, why do we why should we listen? Right? Like, you know, Brandon, you're talking to me, and I feel a little bad because I haven't been doing this, and so I'm gonna do it. And I go, man, I think the invitation here, the motivation is so much bigger than just what we should be doing. And I get to the parking lot this morning, and I and I get here and it's still dark outside, and I'm and I'm praying, and the Lord is just reminding me, Brandon, you are good with me because of what I've done for you. And I've taken away your sin and I've filled you with the Spirit, and I'm gonna return for you, and you will be with me forever. And, and when I think about what Christ has done for me, man, it, it, it makes me trust Him. It makes me wanna lean in. It makes me wanna just surrender my life when you think about all of your sins have been taken away. In a perfect God who's familiar with all of your ways and all of your, your habits and all the things that you do, all your inconsistencies, He sees you, and because the blood of Jesus was shed, you are forgiven, and not just forgiven, but you're filled with a Spirit who helps you. John chapter 16, the Spirit says that He will guide us, that He's here to help us. I go, this, this Spirit is a deposit, the way Paul talks about Him, guaranteeing our inheritance that one day we will be with Christ, that He will return and we'll see Him face to face. Our, our motivation is Christ, that He's forgiven us, that He's given to us the Spirit, that He's coming back for us. Our motivation is Christ, but our, our motivation is also learning from, our, from others who've, who've done this wrong. I was having lunch with a friend this week. He leads a church up in North Nashville and just this amazing man of God. And, and he was telling me about some of the stuff that his church was doing, Nehemiah Baptist Church. And he was telling me about how uh, before the, the fast earlier this year, or before the, the pandemic, he felt like God was inviting him to fast and to lead his church through a fast. And so they, they go through this, this week-long fast and they come out of it and he feels like God's telling him, hey, we, we need to, to dive into Revelation. And so, you know, they dive into Revelation and this, this crazy uh, six months have happened and, and, and I'm listening to, to him talk and, and what I realize is that I'm sitting across the table from a brother who just listens to the Lord and does what he says. And I said it to him, I said, Thomas, I'm so thankful for, for you, your example, that you're just a man that, that hears from God and just puts it into practice. And I love what he said to me. He said, Brandon, he said, I've tried in my own way. I've tried being the Lord of my life. I ain't going back there. And I go, man, may we learn from those who've gone before us. Our big brothers and our big sisters who've said that, that the best life the most fulfilling life, the most satisfied life isn't in, in doing what you want. The most satisfied, the most peaceful life you find is when you surrender your life to Jesus. When you give Him your life, when you quit running from Him, when you, when you go down to the water and you're baptized, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the best life that you can live is when you live each day going, God, what is it that you have for me? And every day making a habit to, to read the scriptures and to do what it says. May we learn from those who are before us and experience the peace of Jesus as we step into this habit of hearing and doing. So I wanna send us to communion right now.
I encourage you, you can, you can stop it, you can, um, you, you can hit pause, you can do whatever you need to do, but I encourage you to really lean into these two questions for the next few minutes. You know, what is shaping your thinking and living most right now? And to be honest here, is it others' opinion? Is it a book that Oprah wrote? Is it what feels right? Like seriously, think about what is guiding your life? And if it's not Jesus, I go walk in repentance. Bring that into life, say, God, I'm sorry. I want you to be the, the voice that's shaping my life. And the second question is, where do you need help in doing what the scriptures say? You know, some of you don't even have the desire to, you don't have a desire to read, you don't have a desire to, to pray and ask God, say, God, I need your help. And he will give you that desire. That is a prayer that he will answer. Some of you lack discipline. You go, God, I need help just being disciplined. Ask God to give you discipline. Some of you need accountability. You need to ask your friend, hey, will you just consistently ask me, am I hearing and doing? So let's send you to, to communion and pray for us. And I, I invite you to, to dig into these questions. So God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time that we'll have in communion. I pray you would open our hearts. Help us to answer honestly. And God, to be people whose lives really are shaped by your word more than anyone else. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.